Live from the home office of Ag Solutions Network, it's the Ag Emerge Podcast. We're here to move the ag paradigm forward by helping you regenerate your soils using new ideas, research, and emerging technologies. Get ready to improve your soils, your crops, your livestock, and your family's livelihood. I'm Kim Sheese. And I'm Monty Bottoms. And we're your hosts. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone. Here we are today in uh, Five Points, California. I'm glad to be joined by Dr. Jeff Mitchell, who attended Ag Emerge this year, but he's also done just some fantastic stuff on, on getting conservation tillage and now uh, integrated cropping systems as far as really looking hard at what regenerative agriculture means and how it can be applied here to California. And we're standing in the middle of the longest term study on soil quality in California. Well, I guess the, the longest uh, term study that has reduced disturbance, no-till component to it. So mm-hmm. we've been going since 1999, and the original goal here was to see if we could reduce some of the dust emissions, the particulate matter emissions, by reducing tillage. And, and obviously you can, dramatically, so that was one early uh, outcome that we saw. But since then, it's really developed and evolved into a soil function, a soil care or soil health uh, effort there. So what we have out here are we're standing right in front of a uh, uh, one of the four systems that we've been evaluating now for 20 years and this one is actually our no-till with a winter cover crop and what we're particularly keen on this winter is we we took the goal of accentuating diversity pretty seriously and we put different uh, mixtures in our drill with a separators and we we have a pretty uh, nice array of species expression right now. So this is a one system. We then compare this with the no-till without cover crop and then two standard tillage systems again with cover crop and without cover crop. So the the with cover crop is a green manure that gets worked in and the other one is just uh, bare soil there year-round. So it's been a it really has without tooting our horn too much here We've monitored this fairly aggressively and intensively, and there have been major changes that have had. We've, we've documented changes in lots of soil properties, lots of biological as- attributes of the soil here, including changes in bacteria, fungi, nematodes, and even macrofauna here. So we're plus a bunch of physical things here too. So it's it's been a great thing. And this guy here, Monty Bottens, was an early on partner on uh, on this effort here and really helped us with what we needed to do and that was to be successful with the crop establishment the planting techniques his experience and know-how and uh, patience frankly to help us get there and 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 to get the crop in the ground and, and growing there so that was a big thing early on it was a cotton tomato system which was reflective of this area and and trying to no-till cotton is tough and I think one of the things Jeff and I first worked on was uh, getting the planter retrofitted to be able to have the right planter attachments and also deliver you know targeted plant nutrition to help facilitate the establishment and then all of a sudden uh, when when we were able to get that going the yields took a, a big jump that first year and then it became because at first it was looking at okay how much savings can we have by not tilling and that cost savings offsetting the maybe the potential lack of revenue uh, from from the crops. That's right. Yeah. And, and and it and it worked out that way. But the the hard pill to swallow is no farmer really wants to go 
backwards in yield. Yeah. You know, they, they want to maintain yield and reduce costs or increase yield and maintain costs. You know, they may even increase costs to increase yield. But, you know, it's it's uh, a lot of people don't like to make a change for, for reduced cost, reduced yield. So That's... but but by doing those things, so you, you've done a lot of advanced work to figure out how these things work in this environment. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. perfect it, and it and, and you've come a long way. And well, well, this is the nineteenth or twentieth season yeah. for this plot, right? No, you're absolutely right. What you just said there is absolutely we, true. We struggled early on establishing some of the crops, but and one of the other aspects of that whole economic trade-off situation there you just described is tillage passes, and, and the, the cost of tillage in an overall crop budget for some of these higher value crops in California is relatively modest. It's $100, $150 per acre. That might be big for barley country yeah. in Montana, but for here it's it's, it's 3% of the budget. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, but so, so there, we've maintained yields by and large. We've had to now finesse the, the planting or transplanting for other crops now beyond cotton, which was a struggle, frankly, in a lot of ways. But now we're doing this will be no-till tomatoes in another month from now, or melons, I'm not sure exactly what, but we're gonna transplant into this. And again, with, with Monty's guidance and his experience here, we're trying to go up to another stage or level of integration and production performance improvement here, I think. So one of the things I think is really important to to point out about your long-term study. I, I think there's two really groundbreaking things that apply not only here for California farmers, but globally. Yeah. One is what you've done with these replicated, you have the four studies. You have a or no conventional tillage with no cover crops, yep. right? The second one is conventional tillage with a cover crop. Then you have, it used to be reduced tillage, now it's no-till flat out, yep. with, with no cover crops. And then you have, uh, used to be reduced tillage, now it's no-till with a cover crop. And I, I think one of the, not to, I mean, there's uh, thousands of points of data within your, your massive data set you've done, but I think the interesting part out of all of it is obviously, it's pretty apparent that conventional tillage with no cover crop, we, we get the results we've always had. Yes. So there's been minimal improvement or change over time. That's kind of the baseline, right? That's right, yeah. But to me, I thought one of the most unique things is having a conventional tillage with a cover crop has nearly equal uh, carbon parameters and some other things now. The micro microbiome is different, but uh, conventional tillage with a cover crop versus no-till with no cover crop have very similar properties. So if, if a person incorporated a cover crop with his tillage system he's he's getting doing better that's or right. if he that's, parks that's... the plow he he's getting better about the same roughly the same now i know that's going to drive a scientist like you generalizing it too much but <laughs> no is, is that a fair generalization well, yes up until the last and more recent sampling all right we have not done a major multi-property determination here but we are doing that this year right. this study is part of one of the North American and Soil Health Institute studies where we're, right. we're looking at a lot of things and we'll have a better answer to that. that but on uh, a carb, description you but on a there, carbon right? level and, and on I uh, think those so. kind of things, it's, it, it's route. But when we get into the diversity of the microfauna and, and macrofauna, that's going to likely show difference and in favor of cover crops. But I don't, I, but yes, but even on the carbon, I'm not sure what it's going to look like this current okay. round there. Good. We'll have to see there. Yeah. But the penultimate of these four systems is no-till, cover crop 
And now you've taken that even a step further, and we're standing in right here, uh, a very unique cover cropping system that you worked with yeah. Keith Burns with yep. Green Cover Seed, who was at our meeting here a couple of days ago at Picinus Ranch. Yep. And what have you got going on in, in this plot? And this is the, the best management practice that we're aware of to date, correct? What, what, all, what all have you got going on? I hear a lot of bees going on too. Well, so what we did was we, we used the John Deere 1560 uh, drill and we put cardboard separators in the seed hoppers and we used both the small seed hopper and then the large one. And we just separated the species mixtures, mm -hmm. uh, several of which we did get from Keith Burns in Nebraska. And, with, and our goal was frankly to get more diversity expressed and not have you know single species dominate and everything. And I think we, we, we succeeded relatively well there. Uh, and that was a good learning experience. So, and another thing we just saw out here on certain of the, the plants, we were pleased, quite happy to see the rhizosheath on a number of the, uh, the, the cereal plants out here. This is encouraging. I really think that we are putting a little bit of the, the practices here now and seeing a little bit of success in the outcomes right now. This was not always the case here, but I'm glad to see that this is out here. And I'm glad, frankly, that you came to visit us today, Monty, because I'm... Well, it looks wonderful. Well, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> and we also looked at a number of soil things that when we dug some shovels up there as well. So I, I think that the second... So the first major outcome was documenting that, you know, systems, uh, tillage and cover crops and, and their, their tiered return is interesting. The second thing I think that's really big for California farmers and for dryland farmers anywhere is you went back through the data set with all the neutron probe readings that you've taken over time and all the water balance and you calculated out where I had a cover crop, how much water did that cover crop consume and how much water does that cover crop maybe return me in season because of the extra uh, mulch layer I have on the surface. The Dwayne Beck taking the E out of ET, yep. and I'm going to keep talking because you can see right now he's, <laughs> he he wants he wants me to get done so he can share this. Okay, so this is this is a huge finding. Take it away. Monty is is flat out right about that. We are extremely committed to the kind of soil water content and water depletion monitoring. Not only in this site, you can't see it out here, but every one of our plots here, all 32 have tubes that go into the ground down to nine feet. And we've been doing this for, for many years now. But in addition to this site where we're measuring soil water content during this winter cover crop growing period, under cover crops versus fallow plots, we're also doing this at about 15 different farm sites, including almond orchards in California and annual crop tomato fields. So I, I don't want to show our hand yet to you here, but we made a pledge within our research group that we would keep uh, the information that is that is starting to emerge from this uh, together in our group there until the end of this year when we have the the whole story uh, compiled and interpreted there so it is something I, I i say this to people it's probably the most important thing that i'm dedicating and that means a lot of running all over the place to get the data and everything but i think it's important because the dogma here in california and probably other places and you hear this brought up in meeting after meeting I'm not going to grow a cover crop because it takes so much water. Well, it's more complicated than that. All right. There's dew on the, the, the leaf surface here. There's much more leaf surface, frankly, here. There's capture. There's probably, in, there is absolutely 
orders of magnitude improvement in water infiltration, yes. their shading of the ground surface. So we are exactly doing what you mentioned, Dwayne Beck is saying, make more water go through the, the crop or the plant as transpiration and reduce the, evapotrans the evaporation part of ET there. So it's a lot of things. There are trade-offs for sure. But I think at this point, the message is it's very complicated and we'll see what the data show us. Sure. So I don't want you to let the cat out of the bag on the study that you're doing right now at the multi-site, but there was enough information from, from your data set that you've done here to realize that it's a net, real close to a net trade. So it was worthy of further right. uh, exploration, and, exploration and validation at other sites. Right, yeah. Because if I, if I remember, and, it, it, and we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but it was like you're using 2.5 three inches of water to grow the cover crop, but your net in season was 2.1. And it was as, as you were exploring this process. So it, it was a near And it depends on lots trade. of factors too. How oh, long sure. you let this grow. And what your growing season's like yeah, and how much mulch right. you have and, on the and surface. when the rains and, come and all these other sure. kind of things are. So, sure. so in essence, you're right. So, But we, it's not a pure waste. I think that's one thing you can, can yeah. you know, assert is that it's not a pure waste of water to grow this cover crop because of the infiltration benefits, the shading benefits, the temperature regulation, the surface mulch uh, reduction of evaporation and the micro air movement on yep. the surface of the soil. Yeah. Like you said, the dew collection. Yeah. No. You know, we've been walking in this and, and my <laughs> genes are soaked and that opportunity doesn't exist over here on this yeah. on this conventional tilled ground. So, no, you're again, you're absolutely right. and. Uh, We'll see. We, that's an exciting thing I think we're working on. I, I could be full of myself thinking that it is that important, but uh, we're looking forward to knowing what happens there at the end of the year. Sure. So you came to Ag Emerge. Uh, you met some interesting people. Yep. Um, I know you've had some opportunities to collaborate since then, but I, I'd like for you to share a little bit about what, what did you, what did you um, learn, take away from, experience at, at Ag Emerge itself, and then maybe share some of the collaboration that's happened in the last month since then and and the third part is is what do you see the need for ongoing collaboration and how to how to facilitate that so that we don't just have this mighty mountaintop experience and then nothing happens so you know like i said at the closing you know the only difference between old and new is do you know we we have to take action on those things that we learn so uh yeah just to kind of walk us through your your thoughts on the event and follow up and and continuing uh collaboration well it, first of all it was nothing short of an inspiring uh, greatly eye-opening experience to be there with uh, so many outstanding thinkers uh pioneers in lots of ways uh that i was utterly energized and I'm not just saying that uh, it was it was that kind of an experience it was very well done and you had top-notch people the the participants there who were uh, involved with the whole thing I think you did uh, you set in motion a lot of connections between people that are going to endure in fact I was I was complimenting you and your your team here in California uh, to learn just a couple of days ago at a follow-up kind of event there where people are also looking at changing paradigms and what they're doing and very eagerly wanting to get there as well. I was pleased to learn that as an outgrowth of the meeting in Monterey, there's now a cluster of 30 farmers here, right here in the San Joaquin Valley, who are meeting every three months to just uh, exchange information and ideas 
and to share the knowledge that they're developing here. That's that's a fantastic thing. I mean, I'm you and I have been part of these kind of connected groups there for a number of years, but to see that expand and flourish and and really with good information driving it, all right? There were there were top people who are not only leading scientists in these new frontiers who were at the event, but also some truly outstanding pioneer farmers that were there as well. So it was I I've told you, and I'm not schmaltzing this on too much here, but I, I was uh, very, very impressed there. And uh, you all did a great job, and uh, it was utterly fantastic to see that happen. Thank you. Appreciate that. Now, now since, though, you and Dr. Daphne Miller, she came right here to this site, and then also with um, one of the other attendees there, a farmer from up by Madeira, uh, you all went together and, and, and talked about just what is this connection between uh, the soil, the plant, and the human, and, and understanding how that, how that all works together. How did, how did Ag Emerge move that concept forward, and what are some of the things that, that, that you guys are collaborating on now and, and looking at doing and continuing to move that forward? That's a good question. I think that's still in the, the, the development phase there. But no, Dr. Miller did come here with another medical doctor, actually. And we have sort of committed to ourselves. She, did, she didn't graze on the cover crop. No, but, okay. but the, one just, of the interesting things checking. when she saw this was that she was already <laughs> scheming to try to make this a human food, yeah. all right, and yeah. sell this as a diverse new kind of a Did you tell her market? it's already spoken for? This well, is this is microbe food. <laughs> no, we got to feed the too. microbes first. But that was that was her, her first idea there, which caught me off guard because I had never <laughs> thought of that before there. But um, no, I think the connections that they were, again, we went to a recent meeting the last weekend or so here over in Picina's Ranch there, and many of the same connections between the soil microbiome and the importance of of that whole system there, plus our own human uh, gut biomes uh, and those kind of connections and, and relationship together there, that's gonna be a tremendously important ongoing kind of a thing. And so what we've done now is to answer your question directly, I think we've committed to staying in touch with looking at ways that we can move this to the next steps there. And I'm not sure what that's gonna be yet. However, one idea would be to take a little bit of the success that you have recently had with the Ag Emerge event and some of the other things that your team is doing in California, and that's to bring up some of these topics with people who are not currently exposed to them. And that could be in an informal small group of folks uh, that we might invite to come out here if they'd be willing and start talking the dialogue of, of why and what we've seen here and why it might matter here for changing. So, uh, that's one thing we're doing there uh, that I, I think is a direct outcome of those connections with Daphne and, and other people that we met there. In fact, that's something you started just recently and, and you're promoting it is it's this is this is research that that farmers and the public are paying for and, and it's making a phenomenal impact on human health on, on farm health as far as the farmers and their businesses. But you went you decided to make yourself available make this plot available on Friday mornings, right? So on, on Friday mornings, you're looking at being here, I think, nine to noon, yep. is that no. correct? Well, it's a standing open invitation. Yep, that's right. All right. So that actually comes from, again, the, the meeting with you in Monterey in January. Dr. Daphne Miller uh, was on the program a couple of times, and one of the things that she showed everyone was that 
the idea of having open houses. And Gabe Brown mentioned the same idea. His farm is open to the public at all times there. And yes, we are open, but I wanted to accentuate the the public benefit, the resource that really we really have here. And yeah, I'm going to for the next three months, we'll be out here every every Friday morning because I think it could. And already there have been people emailing me and telling me that they're going to come here. So that's Good. kind of a nice outcome. Uh, but that that's that's to, an action step you took well, personally, but it, out it, of being encouraged and collaborating with folks at Ag Emerge. Yeah, that's Plus, right. Plus, you're continuing to establish those relationships with this high diversity crop. And do we plant them in individual rows? Do we yeah. do we mix them all together? Do we? And and then then the other crazy thought we had here this morning. Am I allowed to say this, or, or should should we should we go ahead and, and, and shut it off right now before we say anything? Not, go ahead. What are you going to say? Well, when we're standing oh, here, I, no, the animals. And right. after you've seen all this, I, I'm thinking of a great way to sequester carbon and, and make plant nutrients available, and that is going to step five, which really brings it all together in in, in the soil health principles, and that's integrating livestock. Yeah. No. I mean, I. I, I would love nothing more than to do that in the next 12 months here. And, it, and I think I've begun to talk one of the, several of the farmers that we have been interacting with these last few months here, they're on that path already. And you know that and you're helping that and you yourself in Illinois are doing just that these recent years. So I, maybe in a modest scale, but we'd like to do that. So that's not that far-fetched. If we can pull it together, I'm going to do that, yeah. Because it, it also, for the farmer, becomes another revenue stream, whether he's having somebody custom graze yeah. his or, or, or whether the, the farmer decides that, that she would like to get her own herd or her own flock. Yeah. Uh, in order to to run out there, it's a it's an additional revenue stream versus just a cost, and at the same time, it turns these cover crops into more bioavailable nutrients, stimulates more plant growth, you know, takes the potential for soil quality to go to the highest level that we know of possible at this time. So, uh, I'd encourage you on that, and and, and I think uh, you know there's several dairymen who were there who've decided no, oh, to to graze their winter cover crops, and and you know in Scott Park, we just uh, yeah. visited with him yesterday, and he. He's gone from bringing in some sheep to he's going to buy some sheep. That's amazing. And, and, and yeah, yeah, he's yeah. going to hire somebody and he's going to go for it. So oh, he, he's got kind of a crawl, walk, run approach, which is, is a good thing. You know, I have the neighbor come in, buy some more, and then, you know, scale up and, and, and sell the meat, either yeah. wholesale or direct. So there, there's there's opportunities in, the, uh, you know, many times we can look at, there's, it's kind of a bleak picture, right? Yep. Water. Never hear much positive about water from an agricultural standpoint, uh, emissions and, and ecosystem services. So both dust emissions and fossil fuel emissions and yeah. water emissions. And then also other things that are, you know, just simple financial uh, components of the export markets that are volatile these days. And also the financial components with commodity crops that are that are just always looking at ways to, to reduce the price. So this does what you're doing at its core offers hope no well thank you correct thank you very much no and i mean i, I it, and i have to compliment jeff he, he's been very gracious with his compliments of us but you know jeff works tirelessly in making this all happen i mean he pulls samples he delivers equipment he's put probably two hundred thousand miles a year on various vehicles around the valley he teaches students he goes everywhere and, he, and he's really dedicated to making a difference so it's it's a lot of fun to get to 
work oh. with you. We we have our back and forth, you know, yeah. uh, dig, digging good natured humor and, and like, digging at each other from time to time. But it, it's it's amazing what he's been able to accomplish in really changing the paradigm because what we're standing in right here is not normal. No, but uh, thank you very much, Monty. But it's a direction we need to go, and I I thank you for all the all the thank, hard work that uh, you're doing. Thank you for everything. We appreciate it. We thank Dr. Mitchell for taking time out of his very busy schedule to be with us today and share what he's learned and what he's looking to do in the future. It's pretty exciting to see where we've come from and where we're going in California agriculture and how we're going to continue to improve as we look at ways to, to feed uh, much of our country. Many especially crops are grown here with limited water resources, with soil that is uh, aggressively tilled and has been degraded in its carbon content and in a society that is not that doesn't look favorably upon farming so we're going to rise to these challenges and, and overcome uh, price fluctuations and, and profitability concerns and also environmental concerns by doing the right thing applying the soil health principles and taking action to make all these things happen so i hope you enjoyed today's podcast we look forward to our, our next one and seeing you at an Ag Emerge event.